Hello, this is Liz Lawless with Biz for Creatives, our radio show that talks to you about your creative passions, whether that's a publishing passion, a performing passion, a professional passion, or maybe even a purpose passion. And a lot of times some of our guests have some crossover um, with some of those things. Maybe they're a performer, a speaker, maybe they're an author too, maybe they have a business. So uh, what we want to do is share tips and strategies for you if you're thinking about performing or publishing or starting a business or even starting maybe a nonprofit or cause that you have a heart for, uh, we want to encourage you in that. And so throughout the show, you'll maybe get some strategies for that. So I'm very excited today to have Jay Stephen Sadler. Jay Stephen is an author, a chef, a travel host. And so we're going to be talking with him today about um, his new book that um, basically kind of tells his story, as well as uh, some baking tips and some other things. And then uh, we'll see what he's up to right now and then what he kind of has planned for the future. So, Jay Stephen, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Well, thanks so much. So why don't you tell our audience a little bit um, um, were you always kind of a writer or did you just decide to write the book? And so you just sat down one day and said, you know, I, this, I need to tell this story. So, you know, I, I guess I always thought of myself as a documenter mm-hmm. in that okay. I would write a lot about documenting the things that I did. Mm-hmm. And I've been writing for years. I love to write. And I think after a while, it just all came together. Uh, you know, you, I saw all these things together and all these, and some of the stories were very interesting. And I think that's one of the things I would always recommend that if you just document all these things, you can always glue them together. Right. But if you right. get them down on paper, uh, all the things that, they don't always have to be exciting, but you'd be surprised how many things actually turn out pretty interesting right. when you look back on them. But sometimes when you're right on top of a subject, you're not sure. So I just, I was very quick to... Uh, early days pen on paper mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. obviously then from my uh, computer and then now to my iPad and whatnot. But I'm always documenting things that have happened or my thoughts or just jotting them down. And then when I go back and look, they kind of all fit together. Right. Right. It's true. And I, you were talking, I was talking um, last week on a show about uh, the publishing process and everybody's kind of different. Some people write, some people journal. I come from a journalism background, so I always kind of do the who, what, when, where, and how. So I, I, the blank page doesn't exist for me. Did it exist for you or? No, you, in fact, you, I, I always like to you say. You don't get writer's block, do you? No, I, I no, either. no, I don't. I, I, I do have times when I'm more productive than other times. And that's why I, I, I like to document as mm-hmm. things go on, because there are some days, it's funny, if someone tells me you need to knock this out within so many days or in so many hours or so many words, whatever, um, I can take from all this different material that I have and right. you can produce from that. And and it's a, right. it's, it's like, it's like carrying your own library, right? You know, yeah, that you can pull exactly. all these different things. So my wife always likes to say, nobody will ever accuse me of brevity. <laughs> and uh, that's probably true, not right. only in, in speaking, but in writing. So I've always been of the ilk that I would do more right. and then trim out right. and do less and have to add. Uh, right. And yeah. so I've always done it that way. Right. And, and easier. And that, and that is a good way. So when you thought about writing the book, when, when did you first have the thought about writing the book? And uh, you know, how did that kind of come to your mind or come about? I have a bistro mm-hmm. and I, I have a company we do with my family's artisan cakes. And I'm always meeting people, whether it be 
through shows or through my bistro and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, and people always ask you, well, gee, how did this come about? And my, my cake story is a very interesting story of how it came about, the lost recipe, and I found it and whatnot. And that I travel around the world mm-hmm. uh, looking for different recipes. I would tell people these stories and so many times people would say, gosh, you need to put this in a book. I mean, right. every one of these stories are so interesting and they're all, right. and it was really like snippets that I would be telling people. And right. it, somewhere along the line, you know, it, it, it all gelled together and I had a aha moment uh-huh. and said, you know, I should put these all in a book. <laughs> it should be a book. And, right. uh, you know, enough people have told me maybe I should do right. this. Right. And, and that's it, kind of how it came uh-huh. about. Right. And then, and actually you probably have now two or three books because like you say, you had more material than you needed. And so that's always the thing. Uh, And the other thing we tell people is just start writing. Just do, just, just sit down either at your computer or at your tablet or, you know, longhand, whatever it is that you do uh, and start, you know, putting something down, whatever, like you say, just even if it's just your your thoughts or what you dream of doing, because eventually you'll get there. And then through that process, you edit. You know, you you take out the things or you think of something else, you put things in or out, you move things around, and you can't do that if you don't have the material to work with. So um, so I think that's really good. What what would you suggest to people that are kind of just starting out or maybe they got an idea about something, but they're not really sure what to do? Well, technically you say put it on paper. Nowadays, you don't put it on paper. Right. Put it on your iPad or your tablet or whatever. But it, the key really is to do a couple of things. One, when I say document, write about what you care about. Right. That's, that shows through. You know, it's funny. I used to do uh, some TV. I used to do morning news for uh, CBS and Fox. And one of the things they always told me is it'll think of the camera as a person. Right. You're yeah. talking to the person. It's not uh-huh. a camera. Uh, I think the same thing in, in a somewhat of a different vein applies for writing mm-hmm. in that if you write about what you are interested in, what you, A, you'll be able to research it more. Right. B, people see that. They, they get that feel in your book. They right. get that. You're not just writing like a, a, an essay. You know, you're not right. writing a term paper. paper. Right. Uh, you're, you know, you're writing something <laughs> right. that interests you. And if it interests you, that comes through. I believe that comes through in the print right. and makes your book. Much more interesting. Much more interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then that's part of the thing. And it doesn't matter if you're writing about financial things or health things or fitness or emotional things or relationships. And and even, you know, we have a lot of people that talk, you know, sometimes write fiction and some write nonfiction. But even in fiction stories, you know, there's some moral to the tale. There's some story you're trying to tell and you're just using, you know, imaginary characters maybe instead of real characters or instead of real people. Um, but there still is that arc or that interest you got to keep the interest of the person reading and you got to be thinking about who that reader is. And you know, it's really interesting. I, I, I dabbled. I, my book is about things that happened in my life. So it's, 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 it's real life. But I dabbled for a while in writing a fiction book. Mm-hmm. And what I found was real okay. interesting is as I wrote, I decided here's where it's going. Here's what's going to happen. I kind of laid it out. Uh-huh. But what was a funny thing happened as I was writing, and this is talking, I'm talking about years of writing. As I was writing, I noticed the story could 
kind of took on a life of its own. It's, um, it, it went it, where it wanted, wanted to, to go, go, not necessarily that, where I planned on <laughs> it, going. And, it going. and I was almost as interested yeah. as the reader as, gee, I wonder what's going to happen it. next, because right. it just kind of went there. Right, exactly. And, and you need yeah. to have the freedom to let that happen. Let right. it go there. Let it go where it right. wants to go, because that's usually the, what's going to interest the reader. Right. And, and we tell people, too, that, you know, you don't take your first thought and think that's the best thought, and the best deal. As you write and as you think about things or as you research and as you gather information and learn more about things, um, you know, you, you can add that to it. And, and I know a lot of people like I, I don't write fiction. I write nonfiction in children's books. But but that's what they they always say. You know, the characters sometimes take on a life of their own or a character will show up that was just a, like a sub character and then all of a sudden they're taking over the story kind of thing and and you have to go where the muse leads you or where your you know your subconscious and your creative um process leads you and and a lot of times we don't allow enough time for that i don't think i mean we get so judgmental we can't be judgmental at first you got to be creative in the first part in that process you can always come back later and bring that judgmental thing in and that critique and that editor and and the same thing, you know, an editor from outside, too, because sometimes we're so close to it, especially when we write nonfiction. You know, we know what it's supposed to say when it's fiction. It's a little bit different because, like you say, it's more about plot and theme and story and character and and what's the emotion that characters are going or the, the situations that characters are going through. But but let's tell the audience. So what's the name of your book is? Quest for the Best. OK. And it's about my my first book, this is my first book in the quest for the best. And it's about, I guess if you had an overall theme, it's about me building my business, building my, my, my family crumb cake business. Mm -hmm. But it's really, if you think about it, and this is a good example of what I'm talking about is that when I'm writing this, I'm writing all these things about all these things that happened to me on my quest to, to create the finest artists in crumb cake. Right. And um, all the roadblocks I ran into and all the the unusual things that happened that if I hadn't done this, this wouldn't have happened. If I hadn't grabbed this, this wouldn't have happened. Right. And, and, and what happened is as the book progressed, like I said, how it takes a life of its own, the book really came became more about uh, grabbing opportunity mm-hmm. and what right. you do with opportunity when it's presented with you. I mean, you know, so many people will sit there and say, well, you know, they'll see somebody who got rich on this thing and say, well, I thought of that. Well, the difference between you thinking of it and him being rich by it is that he then went and did or she did something with it. Right. Took some action. Exactly. So so the key in the book was you'll read throughout the book all these different things that happened to me and where I went and ran with them. And and it's funny because when the book was done, my intent was to write about this great story about my family's cake and where it went and whatnot. But it became more about. Well, see, well, seize the opportunity right. and do something with it. Right. And, and that's where I'm talking about how it takes a life of its own. Right. For sure. And, and that's the thing. I mean, and I think uh, I feel like there are so many opportunities going by and we just don't recognize them because we're not open to it. We don't we, we don't have our mind open to for whatever reason. We've been told no so many times about maybe something we really wanted to do or we had a passion for and everybody around us naysayed us or, or said something negative. And, you know, and, and really, you know, I try to tell people they don't really mean it. I mean, most of the time people aren't malicious in their negativity 
or they're telling you you can't do that. They really are trying to be protective. They don't want you to be hurt. They don't want you to experience disappointment. And I'm, I'm sure in some cases, they, they don't want you to kind of become a different person because they feel like they might be left behind or something. And and obviously, those are things that come up, but, um, but you can't let that and stop you, you know, if you, like you say, if it's something you really love, it comes through in your conversation and in your writing and speaking and whatever it happens to be. So, so um, tell us just share one of the, one of the big challenges or what was most surprising to you when you started researching your uh, family's cake uh, and how they made that and did, what, what was the, uh, maybe a surprise to you that, you didn't realize or you didn't know until you kind of got into it. Well, one of the interesting things <clears throat> was I wanted to, since the cake was over 400 year old recipe in my family recipe, I was, I wanted to make it as close as it could be to the way they made it when they originally made it. Mm-hmm. And that meant research. And so uh, I researched where would they have gotten those ingredients from? Right. Yeah. And right. through that research, uh, it led me, and this is talking about the opportunities. Right. Uh, through that research, it led me to travel around the world. You know, the, the, the cinnamon in the cake originally came from Asia, which now is called Saigon cinnamon, which is the finest cinnamon in the world. The, the dark brown sugar came from the Maldive Islands. Uh, the flour came from France. Mm-hmm. The uh, vanilla came from Madagascar. So when you start researching those things, then it led me to travel to those places uh, to to see actually right. how they produced uh, it, how it came about, and whatnot, right. and and taking that opportunity, here I am, not thinking about a book at the time. I'm thinking about just producing a, the the perfect replica, if you will, of my right. family crumb cake, artist mm-hmm. crumb cake. But it led me to traveling around the world to find these different places, which in turn led me to traveling around the world to find dishes for my bistro, because as I traveled around the world for the ingredients, I obviously had to eat. Right. right. And so yeah. I sampled so different restaurants and I said, wow, this is great. And that's great. And I learned the recipes. I made friends with chefs and whatnot and learned some of the recipes. And then when the years later, mm-hmm. and this is why you, you've kind of all these experiences you get, you kind of put them in your chest, your, your little gold chest and you save right. them for when you can use them. Uh-huh. And years later, when I decided to open the bistro, uh, I took all, a lot of those dishes, and that's what started me on my idea of doing an international bistro with dishes from around the world. Right. I had already had a, a chest full of recipes, right. if you right. will, you had, or as if yeah. you're a writer, you had your you had your portfolio there, you had right. your, your your all your research, right. and it was already there. So it was a natural progression to get into that, and and that's what led me to that path. I was by all that travel. Right, right, exactly. So the book is J. Stephen Sadler's Quest for the Best, the story of an unlikely chef, and we'll talk about that in a minute, who built an improbable empire from a lost family recipe. Um, So why are you an unlikely chef? Well, interestingly enough, the recipe came from my dad's side, who was Austrian, but my mother was Italian. And if you know most families, you're brought up the way your mother is. Right. You know, your dad is like, it's <laughs> right. good that you're here, but we're going to do it this way, you know? Right. So you brought up, so I was brought up as an Italian family, right? But we, uh-huh. it was very, the, 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 recipe for the crumb cake was the one thing that my dad added to the whole mix. Right. And so as an Italian family, anyone who knows anything about Italians, you know that we all, every Italian mothers, daughters, sons, brothers, all our sisters are all in the kitchen. 
all right. the time. You're right. always, that's like, that's where you are. Right. That's the main right. place of the room in the house. It is the social so, place of the house. It's where you, you, you make dishes, you taste dishes, you, you, it's, right. it's everything is centered around the kitchen. Uh-huh. Now I had uh, four other brothers and sisters. And so my mother would always have us in the kitchen. Interestingly enough, of all the kids, I was the one that could care less about cooking. <laughs> my brothers and sisters loved doing it. They were yeah, always there. Yeah. And I was kind of like my dad and I would sit in the dining room and say, is it done yet? <laughs> is dinner ready? You know, we really didn't care. Like, to me, right, right. cooking was like doing the laundry or mopping right. the floor. It was oh, like wow. a chore. And I, I liked right. to eat, yeah. but I sure didn't care about cooking. So it's really bacon. so it's really funny that now later on yeah. you're you're the the chef in the family and you they gave you the uh, the family recipe to take and uh, do something with. Well, it's so. funny because my family, my brothers and sisters, always laugh that I'm the chef in the family. So you're the one person who never cooked Cook is the chef in the family. Yeah. So you you may come to it late in life. I mean, some people know when they're young that they always want to do this. They always want to act. They always want to sing. They always want to speak. They always want to be a doctor. They always want to be a fireman, a policeman, or whatever. And some of us don't figure it out till later on. So it's okay, you know, to try different things. The other thing I think is really funny is for a real long time, I struggled with, well, I had all these different um things I wanted to discover and explore. You know, I like Western history. I like spiritual things. I liked creativity. I liked, uh, you know, books and publishing. And, and it was like, well, how do you fill all those things together? You know, you can't do everything. Well, no, you can't do everything, but you can have multiple passions, I think. Um, you maybe just have to pursue them at a little different time or a period of time. And then maybe one's a relaxation for you versus your job or your profession or whatever you're doing. But it took me a while to come to that. And I think it takes people think if they can't figure it out, you know, there's something wrong with them, but there's really not. Some you know, Liz, of us, it just takes longer. You know, Liz, that's, a, <laughs> that's a really great point because I'm one of those people. My wife always laughs. She said, because you change careers, like people change jobs. Right. And it's kind of like once I've climbed that mountain, I'm looking for the next mountain to climb. And, and I've always been, um, I don't say jealous, but I've always wished that I was one of those people that knew early on, this is what I want right. to do. And I've never right. been one of those so people you, because right. as soon as I decide what I want to do, I want to do something else. Yeah, you right. know? Yeah. And interestingly enough, this goes back again to where the book kind of fed on that in that I didn't want to be a chef. Right. Didn't care at all at the time. And when I was young, I wanted to be a musician. You know, right. I had a rock and roll band. I, I toured around the Northeast and that's what I was going to be a musician, you know? Right. Yeah. And then per, by chance... I met Rene Vardon. Rene is the was the chef for the Kennedys. Now I met him. He wasn't at that time. Uh, and Rene is the one who taught me that craft, crafting a dish is more like painting. It's more right. like creating a beautiful painting on a wall, something right. that someone can talk about for years. And I had never thought of that. Right. And it opened up my eyes to right. a whole new avenue that I hadn't thought about at all, mm-hmm. which started me going that route. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though your your entry, you may not be uh, focused on one area. A great example is again where I started baking my family's mm-hmm. crumb cake, started offering it, and then uh, my interest was in travel. Well, I mm-hmm. tied that together right. with my baking and with right. my bistro. I like I always like meeting with people, so that's where I opened the bistro because when I first had my bakery, it was inside. You know, there was not a lot of right. people coming in. It was it, just a yeah, commercial bakery, right. shipping. Uh-huh. And so when I had the bistro, I had now I had the opening to talk with people. I had the 
uh, the ability to travel. I had the ability to eat, which I love to do. And right. I had the ability to craft new dishes. And all right. these things kind of came together because of different opportunities I saw that I took. Right. So you took don't, advantage of that. Right. Yeah. So don't, don't feel like, gee, I don't have a love or I don't have a, a thing that I'm so super focused on. Just put down your information of, of what interests you. There's always something that interests you. Right. And you don't even have to think of it as a book. Because that sometimes puts unneeded pressure, pressure on, on people. You. I need to right. write in. And there was the other thing, too. I never thought of, well, is this the perfect form where people buy this book? No, I just jotted down my thoughts. Right. I can always yeah. clean it up with an editor or whatever. Right. right now, my job is to get all those thoughts in, do my research and whatnot, put it in. Right. Clean it up, make it right for a book later. Later. You don't have right. to be perfect. Yeah. And, it, and like you say, you may be interested in gardening. You may be interested in health. You may be interested in food, like you say. You may be interested in a particular kind of food. I mean, that's okay, too. You may be interested in ice cream, me. Um, but, you know, take whatever you're interested in and pursue that. And add to that and, and create experiences around that. Go either go places or meet people or somebody that's doing it. If there's something you want to do, you know, find somebody that's doing that or something similar to that um, because, you know, you can learn from them. And, and then you have that mentorship. You said, you know, Renee was kind of the, the one. And, and somebody will say something to you and you'll get that aha moment and you'll go, hey, that's. That's it. I mean, I never thought I would be doing, you know, uh, black rodeos or cowboys of color rodeos, but I happened to have a client who was a museum who I was doing educational and exhibit and educational programming invitations and printed collateral materials. And they just happened to do that as a fundraiser. And I got drawn into it because somebody else wasn't available. And they said, can you step in for, you know, a couple of weeks? And, you know, now it's 25, 30 years later, and I still do that. Um, and so it's, uh, you never know. You never know where it's going to go. Well, even talking about books, yeah. uh, you talk about Renee, where that got me onto my passion of baking. And uh, when I decided that it was time that I was going to actually do a book, the next thing I did was kind of interesting. I looked at several books that had been out there, authors, and I contacted those authors. And uh -huh. I said, how did you publish your book? What did you do? Can right. you help me? Some right. didn't return my call, Go. but right. guess what? Some did. Yeah. And we sat and talked to this one gentleman up in the island. He's, he wrote Long Island. He wrote several books. And he told me that his journey from right. the beginning all the way to the end and what he took and how long it took and what challenges he had and whatnot. And that just opened it up for me. It gave me an right. idea that, hey, I can do this. Right. And this is, it's not as giant right. a leap right. as you think it is. It's, <laughs> right. He did it, so I can do it. You right. know? And, yeah, and, and, it may not be as hard as yeah. I think it is. So I agree with you that you want yeah. to speak to people in the business, you let right. them give you some input, and then you yeah. feel a lot, much more comfortable. Much more comfortable. And again, yeah. you can take ideas from anywhere. Uh, I used to tell my kids stories about Charlie the chipmunk every night uh -huh. when they went to bed. <laughs> and I've jotted all that down. And I've thought about it now that I'm a quote unquote pub, uh, writer, that I'm going to convert those into children's books because right. I know all those stories I told them. Right. I mean, you can take it from little things like that. Right. It's exactly. just so simple it's, that you can pull so things simple. from. Yeah. And a, lot, and a lot of people do, you know, a lot of what we do with the publishing that we do is legacy or leverage. 
And the legacy is about, you know, sharing your stories or your family story or maybe your personal story or someone that you know. Um, and a lot of times it's, it's for the kids and the grandkids. And when you get to that point, you go, you know, I don't want these stories to be lost. And so uh, that's another thing why, you know, books and writing and publishing and, and, you know, you may not be feel like you're a great writer. And luckily today, you know, you can interview other people or like you say, you can just do blogs or short posts and eventually put those things together so that they become something bigger. And, um, you know, I've got one lady that she just likes to go away for the weekend and spend a couple of days and she just writes, she takes all her research, she gets gathers up all her notes and all her stuff that she's been thinking about, like you say, and kind of jotting down. And then she just sits and writes and writes and writes and writes for two or three days. And then she comes back and then lets somebody else edit and then begins to edit it and craft it and formulate it and put things out and delete things and add things and say, oh, there's a hole here or, or I should have, I could tell this story here. And once you begin to see it, you begin to be able to fill in some of the things too, I think, don't you? That's an interesting point you make about the blogs and whatnot, uh -huh. because actually thinking back, that's kind of how I started. I, I, I wasn't thinking book, right. but I wanted to get my thoughts out. So I started a blog mm -hmm. and I would just throw out my thoughts. And I talked about, well, let me, I think it's interesting if people can find out how I went around the world for the finest ingredients and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I started writing that. Well, a lot of my book came from those blogs. Right. Now I had to reformat it, put it right. together. But I mean, that it was very easy to do a blog and get it going. Right. And then I pulled the book. That's right. where a lot of it came, came from, that material. Pulled sure. that material yeah. and put it all together. Great, great. Okay, so um, so people can get the book at uh, www.jstephen, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, Sadler, S-A-D-L-E-R.com. So jstephensadler.com. Uh, obviously, I'm assuming it's on Amazon, online platforms, and things like that as well. But it is. We just have okay. an audio book coming out, and mm -hmm. so you can get it pretty much anywhere. Okay, great. So um, so that's jstevensadler.com. The book is J. Stephen Sadler's Quest for the Best, the story of an unlikely chef who built an improbable empire from a lost family recipe. So so hopefully that gets our listeners kind of thinking and about their history and their background and um, the experiences they've had and maybe how they can pull some of those things together and share those with other people. Um, so, so what's kind of the next thing for you? What are you doing right now? Uh, obviously, you're doing the book and maybe some speaking and some other things, but uh, you've got something coming up in the next few weeks. Or well, I have another book coming out, mm -hmm. which is really uh, the story of finding a location for your bistro right. and my bistro and, and the challenges that I ran into there, which were really, uh, I mean, it was much more challenging, uh, challenging than I thought it was. <laughs> right. Uh, and, 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 I mean, you can't and, just open up a, a, a restaurant no, down you, on the corner. Well, and, you, know, you, can, you find an empty building, and you then you can. Put, if you <laughs> but if you want to stay around for a while, you really have to do some research and find out why. And 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 just the things that I thought of on how to build the brand. Mm -hmm. You know, my my brand is real important to have an identity, right. and, and it talks right. about that. And it's already written, so I, that'll be my next book coming out. Uh, I also have expanded to where now. I mentioned to you that. 
I go around the world for different dishes and I bring those dishes back. I learn from the chefs. I now take people with me. Mm-hmm. And, and how that came about is another one of those opportunities that you grasp. Right. At my bistro, so many people would ask us about the dishes. And I would explain, well, this dish I found in Austria or this dish I found in, in, in Florence, Italy. Mm-hmm. And I would talk to them about that. And the people would always say, where are you going next? Where are you going next? You know, All and right. I, I just came back from Cuba <laughs> right. and I'm doing the Caribbean. And then I'll this... Uh, this uh, summer, I'll be going to South America, Santiago, and uh, Buenos Aires. And so people always were saying, oh, I wish I could go with you. Wouldn't that be great? And, you know, a light just went on in my head. And I went, well, let's make it so they can come with me. They, right. Go, and so go. we put together kind of a unique thing. I mean, there, there's food tours and foodie tours and whatnot. And what I do to make it more personalized, uh, I, I take people with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stay in an a beautiful, like as example in Belize, we had a whole island in, right. for ourselves <laughs> with a big house. And and every morning I make breakfast for all my guests. Right. Okay. Some of the yeah, unique dishes food. that we make. And then in the afternoon, they can, they're free to do. We might do some sightseeing. And then at evening, we go out to certain restaurants mm-hmm. and we decide which dishes we're bringing back to the USA. Oh, okay. And the people so love people doing that. Yeah, yeah. Part of that. So they're, so they're a part of actually deciding what right. dishes come back. And what it does, it builds this great camaraderie. The people are friends for years. You know, they right. really love uh, meeting with each other. And then it's it, it's become a big social event, if you will. Right, right. And uh, from that, I've also had several people. My, I'm based out of Dallas, Texas area. Mm-hmm. And I've had several people in the Dallas area that say, boy, we would love to do this, but we don't have the time to take a week. And usually my... my right. I, uh, the trip would be yeah, my trip about seven, yeah, five, five to days, seven, five, five days, seven something days, like that. Days, yeah. yeah, so we either don't have the funds to do something like that, or we don't have the time to do something like that. So we we uh, created a uh, program called uh, Talk Around the Table. And what I do is once a month we go to a really good restaurant in Dallas, and I'm, I'm from Dallas, so I know a lot of the chefs in Dallas. And we, I pick different restaurants that have, uh, one restaurant has the finest lamb chops, the other one has the greatest salmon, the other one has the uh, finest creme brulee, things like that. And so I pick these restaurants and each month we go to a restaurant and people can join me there. It's called Talk Around the Table. And we meet the chefs, they talk about the dishes. Right. And we we have the same enjoyment that we have in the extended uh, getaways. Epicurean getaways. Uh-huh. But we have it over just over one night. Right. And so that's been pretty successful. We've had a lot of people that have, local people mm-hmm. that have said, I'd love to. I, I, and right. again, here's one of the things. My my bistro is in Forney, Texas, which is about 23 miles, 20 miles east of Dallas. So it's right. small town America. And uh, uh, I had so many people saying to me, can you tell me, Jay Stephen, you're from New- Dallas, Where's a good restaurant to go to in Dallas? Right. Well, that's where yeah. it dawned on me that why don't I just well, take them to all these great restaurants? restaurants? <laughs> I know the chefs and we can have a <laughs> right. great time, you know, social event. Right. And, and it right. built out of that. But again, it's one of those opportunities that you, right. you hear it and you don't say, well, I should have done that. You do it. Right. And if you it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you, right. you take some action to make it happen. Right. So that's what I'm doing now. Okay, great. So you talk around the table. Those are monthly get-togethers. I'm assuming that's on the website too. So you yes. can go to the mm-hmm. website and, um, and see the dates for the upcoming restaurants and things. And and that's really interesting because you're, you're, there usually is a certain dish that's kind of the main, the best thing, you know. Um, it's I mean, easy we, to find. Yeah. Yep. And so, um, so that's exciting. So that'll be going on. That's great. And then, uh, for the trips, what are you doing? You're, um, you've got New York coming up in June. 
New York coming up in June. And the reason we picked New York, again, I was born and raised in New York, so it's kind of going back to home. Mm-hmm. But uh, New York is one of the great cities of the world, let alone the United States. And, it, and if you picked four cities, and that's what we did, we basically looked and said, what are the cities? We didn't say four, but we looked and we said, what are the cities that have great dining experiences, somewhat unique and whatnot? The real four cities immediately came to mind, and they were New York, New Orleans, San Francisco, and Miami. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they were all a little bit different. We picked New York in June. I think the end of June is, is because uh, they have the fancy food show there, which is a a gastronomical (laughs) overload. overload. It's a delight. I mean, it is just, (laughs) you will see every chef there making every fine dish. It's really interesting. And and, uh, so I timed it so that we could take everyone to the fancy food show. Yeah, we'll take them to a play. We'll do a few other things that are typically New York. Usually what I do is I try to find places that are not touristy. Right. So that we go to places that are somewhat unique, but are kind of hidden gems. Uh-huh. And I'm, some of the areas I can do that, like our Miami trip, I actually went down to Miami with my team. And we, interestingly enough, we thought Miami would be real easy because <laughs> it has so many restaurants. I lived in Fort Lauderdale right. for years. It'd be easy. Well, the problem was all the restaurants are tourist traps. They were not what I would take somebody to. Right. Yep. And so I decided that... Uh, we we would spend longer there in Miami. Uh-huh. We spent us we spent ten days instead of five researching restaurants till we found the right restaurants that were special in all different reasons, right? But are not place. tourist traps, right? And then we found some other places to take people to, and that's pretty much what we do. We send an advance crew ahead of time to make sure we find something great, so we're not right. just walking in the door and saying, "Gee, that really didn't work out." Right. We want yeah. we want people that come to these. Uh, getaways to really have an experience. And, right. and that's always been a key word for me. It's not just dining. It's not just social. I want it to be an experience that you'll talk about for years. Right. And so it's really important to me that we we take care of all those things. The chefs right. come out and talk to them. They talk right. about the dishes. I mean, I think that's very important. We're making breakfast for them every morning. So they, as a group, they gather together. Right. It's not together. you're in your room, he's in his room, they're in their room, and I'll see you tonight. Right. That's yeah, not yeah. really what we want to do. So I think we've made it a little bit different, Uh but uh, the New York one is the next one coming up and that's in June. Uh, It should be a really unique experience in a great, great dining city. Right, for sure. And then Miami, I think, in September. Yeah. And I was looking at Correct. the dates mm-hmm. on the things. So uh, you can go to the website. Again, that was www.jstevensadler.com and look up some of those things. Uh, you can visit the Bistro in uh, Forney, Texas. We probably ought to give that address, too, just in case somebody wants to come out. Yeah, that's at uh, 212 South Bodark Street mm-hmm. in Forney, Texas. Uh, it's a little town, if you're familiar with Dallas area at all, it's just uh, south of Rockwall, Texas, about 20 miles due east mm-hmm. of Dallas. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the restaurant's called Crumbs? It's called Crumbs as well as My Cakes, which mm-hmm. we ship all over the world, by the way, which uh-huh. is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a crumbs.com? Yeah, and the crumbs is C-R-U-M-B-Z-Z.com. Okay, so you can, yeah, you can go on our website. You can see, actually, we have all the pictures of the dishes there uh, and our menu and everything else. And Interesting. Cakes, and then you can go on one side and see all the cakes because right. that's, that's the only way I do my cakes. I, I ship them worldwide from the website. Mm-hmm. That's what we do there. Right, right. So and then the last thing stuff. we're doing right now is, and again, this grew out of uh, our travels, is uh, we're shooting a pilot. Uh-huh. We're shooting a pilot, hopefully to be shown on TV as an interesting uh, 
where it will show us uh, traveling to different countries to find the dishes, talking to chefs. And sometimes chefs are amenable to giving me the recipe and sometimes they're not. And then I have to sit there and eat the meal like three different times so I can figure out what's in it, which usually I can do. Most chefs can. Uh Uh, Sometimes they're real amenable where we will then go into the kitchen and show the chefs showing us their dishes and whatnot. And then we have a portion where we come back into my bistro and show my chefs how to make those dishes. And we try to be absolutely true to the country of origin, including importing the ingredients if we need to. Mm -hmm. And then the third leg of that filming is bringing that dish to small town America. California is a small town America town. Will people accept a dish from Cuba in a meat and potatoes town? And that's always a challenge, which is kind of fun. So we're working on filming that. Uh, I'm not sure when the pilot will hit or who, whatever. But uh, we tied that together with all these things. Right. So they're all kind of one big <coughs> circle, if you will. Right. Exactly. Okay. That's great. Well, that's great. So you've got the books, you've got the talk around the table, and you've got the Epicurean getaways. Correct. Okay. So that's fabulous. So then what's uh, what's next after that? So you're going to do some U.S. and then probably overseas? Yeah. Then we'll we'll go back to overseas. Uh, like I said, uh, this sometime this summer, I'll be going to Buenos Aires and uh, Santiago. And I, basically, I go ahead of time to make sure right. I can find right. interesting restaurants and yep. fun things for people, people to, do. to do. So these are my, you know, I'll be going with a team and we'll be looking for those. Different, <laughs> we'll be going as a team and, and looking for all those different uh, places to do. And that will set us up for a trip probably next year, the following year. Same thing with Cuba. We've now done Cuba and would love to take people to Cuba. Cuba is a great country to take uh, right, folks to. to it's a lot of fun, a lot more than people think. Uh-huh. We'll do a little bit more of the Caribbean, maybe St. Lucia, Dominica, and then we'll be going back to Europe. Uh, do people have favorite places in, in, in Europe? When you talk to people in the bistro, I'm sure oh, you ask about travel or what's your favorite place to travel. What's, what's kind of been the, the top two or three for that, too? I'm sure uh, it's similar to the state. I it's mean, almost Italy, almost always Italy and France right. are the two favorite for foodies now. Right. I'm talking about for foodies. Uh, those are the two. And quite honestly, in my opinion, Italy is probably the greatest place. To, it's one of the few places that you can go and hop in a car and go any town. And you're going to find a great little bistro. <coughs> right. You'll find friendly, pe- friendly people and you'll find great dishes. And what's interesting about Italy is, yes, it's all pasta, but every town makes it different. Oh, every town. Isn't that interesting? Okay. In so. France, I like the French countryside. Paris is okay, but French countryside is where you find unique dishes, really interesting things. I have several dishes I brought back from France, several from Italy. So mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll do Italy first, then France, and then we'll move through Europe. I haven't done all of Asia. We've done Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, we, I always have specials at my bistro, and I think uh, this coming up this holiday, uh, we'll be having Japanese pancakes, which are like oh. mini souffles, and they came out of Japan. And that's kind of the things we do. We'll do specials, or we have the dishes all the time. It's all It varies with uh, what we have. I don't want to have too much on the menu. I want to have it right. somewhat limited. But uh, we'll do the rest of Asia then, because I have not done the rest of Asia. Okay. Okay. And then um, you said South America, so you'll be visiting that, so doing some prep work, and then maybe go back down there a year or two. With Chile, uh, Argentina, Ecuador, possibly Mm -hmm. Brazil, those would be probably the four countries, at least at this stage, that we're going to visit. Right, try to visit. Yeah, I've done Northern Caribbean, now I'm doing the Southern Caribbean. Uh-huh. Um, so there'll be something out of the Caribbean, right? You know, um, we'll work on that. So, what did you uh, find in Cuba? Was the dish? What did you decide was the best dish? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, most people think of Cuba as Spanish, 
-hmm. And it is. But the eastern half of Cuba is influenced by the Spanish. The western half of Cuba is influenced by the French. Oh, okay. And so you have completely different types of uh, 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 food from each each section. A great example is um, uh, if you take plantains on the eastern side of the island, the Havana area, they will harvest the plantains when they're not ripe. Okay, okay, green, and they'll slice them like chips and eat Uh them like a potato. Right. If you go to the western side of Cuba, Santiago, you'll find that they wait until they're really ripe, almost overripe, and they slice them horizontally. And that's what you would see in the States as fried plantains where they're sweet. Right. So it's more of a dessert versus a vegetable or or a side dish or whatever. And these are the great things you find out when you visit. Right. Uh, I found Cuba to be, one of the rules of thumb for me is if you go to a place and when you leave, someone asks you, would you go back? And you say, absolutely. If you do, then you know you found a gem. And I would go back to Cuba in a flash. Uh, it's really not hard to get into other than our government making right. it hard. <laughs> right. Cuba does not make it hard. We filmed there. We had no problem filming. We filmed in local homes uh-huh. and in restaurants, uh, which was very interesting. The people are very friendly. They have some really interesting dishes. Havana has the great architecture. I mean, just some of it falling apart, but a lot of it being rehabbed. Beautiful. People are in the streets all the time. Music, you hear music, everywhere. I was going to say, music I is would, the thing. I would recommend that anybody go to Cuba because you're seeing it. It's one of the few countries, because it was closed for so many years, uh-huh. that is really unique. It hasn't been, I, I don't know if I'd use the word stained by the right. internet or the right. cell phones it's or whatever. Right. It's, it's, it's self-contained. So if you want to see... Uh, an an unblemished country country. that it so many countries kind of blend into everything now we're all like one big thing which has its benefits but it also has negatives you know because i do like the the difference for countries cuba is really unique in that respect so yeah it's it's one that i definitely will be taking a tour with me to go right it's it's exciting a fun place to go right great great all right well Thank you so much. I appreciate your time very much. Jay Stephen, talk about this. We'll probably have to come back and talk about the second book. And then once you've uh, been to some of these other places and you've got some of these other uh, locations and stuff, you can come back and tell us uh, how that went and uh, some of the experience and the dishes that your group actually chose and, and brought back and whether the, uh, I guess, your customers like those dishes or not would be the thing. So why don't you give your uh, information one more time. If people want to get in touch, they can they can find you at the website and probably, what, on social media too? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and I'm on Twitter and, and all, the, all the Instagram and whatnot. Um, my website is jstephensadler.com. That's the letter J, then S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Sadler is S-A-D-L-E-R, so it's all one word, dot com. If you want to visit the Crumbs website, you can see the uh, bakery, the cakes, and you can see the bistro, all the dishes there, and that's Crumbs, C-R-U-M-B-Z-Z.com. And, of course, like Perfect. I said, I'm on all different social media ways, right. so you'll be able to find me. Yeah, so you do info at jstevensadler.com or yeah. something like yeah, that. Yeah, if you want to email, email just do or... info at jstevensadler.com. We'll get back to you. Okay. Uh, if you're interested in any of the trips or any of the – if you're local in the Dallas area and you want to do talk around the table, let us know. If you, I think they sign up, and uh, right. then they'll get into our newsletter or our, 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 our uh, news announcements, if you will, right. when a next trip is coming and what it is and where we're going and whatnot, and they can sign then if they want to join or whatnot. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, we have people all the time getting on and, and joining us for trips and whatnot. So right, it's, great. it's kind of exciting. We, we look forward to the next group going out. Next group going. Okay. Well, that'll be great. And hopefully we can go too. And so we'll, uh, we'll bring you uh, back on later on and you can tell us some more about your travels. Well, I appreciate the, the time today. I think the strategies of opportunity, taking advantage of those opportunities is key. Um, if you have an idea about something and you have some thoughts or you want to try something, take some action, figure out something to do, uh, either whether it's research or whether it's talking to someone who's in that business or just doing it, just stepping out and taking some uh, action um, always leads you to something interesting, I think. So so this is Liz Lawless with the Business for Creatives. Uh, we hope you'll come back next uh, week and hear our next uh, conversation. And if you're um, listening, go ahead and pursue your passion, whether that's a publishing passion, a professional, a purpose, or a performing passion. Whatever you want to do creatively, we ask you to engage in that and um, and support other people as they engage in creative activity, too, because it becomes kind of self-fulfilling. The more you're creative, the more creative you can be. So thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back again next week.